I'm Paul from Thirst Counselling and welcome to a Thirst Counsellor podcast, a series of blogs, readings and audio meanderings through the world of mental health and well-being. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Thirst Counsellor podcasts and in this episode, I'm going to talk about ADHD, Attention Deficit and Hyperactivity Disorder, or as it's sometimes known, Attention Deficit Disorder. Now, this is a widely spoken about condition that people experience. Um, it has a lot of myths attached to it. It has a lot of presumptions attached to it. And it has a lot of humour attached to it too. So I'm going to take a little bit of a light-hearted look at ADHD and I'm going to look at some of the difficulties that people might experience. Um, maybe look at a definition. Talk about my own personal experience of ADHD as an adult who was diagnosed recently. And also talk about the benefits of ADHD. Because I think quite often ADHD is associated with negativity and behavioural issues. Uh, and whilst there are some incidents and there are some uh, behaviours that can be really quite distressing and challenging at times, certainly in younger children. Uh, I also want to talk about some of the positives that I've experienced and I've heard other people experience too with their experience of ADHD. So I hope you enjoyed the episode Uh, and if you like it please do share this with your colleagues and your friends if you think it may be of any information or of any kind of benefit to anyone. The American Psychiatric Association defines ADHD as Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. They go on to say that it is one of the most common mental health disorders affecting children. ADHD also affects many adults. Symptoms of ADHD include inattention, that's not being able to keep focus, hyperactivity, so excess movement that is not fitting to the setting, and impulsivity, hasty acts that occur in the moment without thought. An estimated 8.4% of children and 2.5% of adults have ADHD. It's often first identified in school-aged children when it leads to disruption in the classroom or problems with schoolwork. It can also affect adults. It is more common amongst boys than girls. goes on to talk about some of the symptoms. Many ADHD symptoms such as high activity levels, difficulty remaining still for long periods of time and limited attention spans are common to young children in general. The difference in children with ADHD is their hyperactivity and inattention are noticeably greater than expected for their age and cause distress and problems functioning at home, at school, or when out with friends. And it's diagnosed as one of three times. The inattentive type, the hyperactive impulsive type, or the combined type. A diagnosis is based on the symptoms that have occurred over the past six months. Dr. Edward Hallowell, 
The best way to think about ADHD is not as a mental disorder, but as a collection of traits and tendencies that define a way of being in the world. ADHD and learning styles. I think it's quite important to think about ADHD from the point of view of, of children. In schools, it can be really quite difficult and challenging experience for children. Bearing in mind that quite often people with ADHD will be fidgety, will be distracted, will have difficulty focusing sometimes, although they may have great periods of hyperfocus. And quite often it might be more beneficial than that if you can adopt their particular learning style to whatever it is that you're teaching. And obviously the three learning styles that I'm talking about are visual learners. You know, and it's important to remember that visual learners prefer reading or observing. They learn best through written instructions and they think best on paper. They need to see you when you're communicating. So it's about always aiming face-to-face -face interaction. Auditory learners, on the other hand, do best with talking and listening. So they prefer verbal instructions and reviewing homework or tests allowed in class. So this is an opportunity in that to do this through through verbal communication. And then your tactile kinesthetic learners benefit most from a hands-on approach. This time of learner can maintain attention better while seated or on a rolling office chair or on an exercise balance ball than on a stationary wooden chair. When I think back to when I was in school, we used to do a lot of auditory listening. Now, auditory wasn't particularly good for me because my attention span was quite poor, was quite limited. So they'd have us stand up, stand still, and parrot, repeat, parrot, repeat. So, for example, when it came to doing timetables, it was a lot about repetition. They would be getting us to stand up and repeat the timetables. Now, I found that incredibly difficult and incredibly challenging. Um, I found that all focus was on me when I was standing up in front of my whole class. And, and it was very much something that I, I, I ran away from. Quite literally ran away from. They used to go up and down in lines, getting people to stand up and do the timetables. And then during the lesson, they would stop maths and they would move on to another subject and they would come back to it. I would move chair and I would avoid actually standing up and seeing my timetables because I was full of dread and I was full of fear. Years later, when I was back in the learning environment, when I was training to be a counsellor, the lecturers would be talking about a topic, they would be talking about a particular approach or a particular technique, and they would verbally describe what that would be like. And I really struggled to conceptualise that in my head and try and uh, imagine what that would be like. They would then offer to do a demonstration. So the demonstration would then be visual for some people but they would ask for a participant, so quite often I would put myself forward as the as the client or, or to play the role of the counsellor. So I would then be confident enough to get up in front of people 
and actually demonstrate this because I felt if I immersed myself in it, if I was kinesthetic and actually participating within it, then I would find that more useful for me. It helped me play to my learning styles. Quite often when I'm in the counselling room now, I have to pay so much more attention to what the client says because we're using an auditory approach. So I have to really pay attention to what the client is doing and how the client is behaving and observe the client. I have to use all the visual cues to help inform the information so it makes sense with the auditory of what they're saying. So it is important to take on board people's learning styles when dealing with people with ADHD. So here's some myths about ADHD. Uh, number one, ADHD does not exist. This has to be the most potentially dangerous of all misunderstandings. It certainly does exist. It is a spectrum of neurodevelopmental conditioning. And it's usually lifelong. The exact causes of ADHD is unknown, but the condition has been shown to run in families. It is also worth mentioning that ADHD is a comorbid condition and there is a significant likelihood of a young person with ADHD also having specific learning difficulties such as dyslexia, dyspraxia or dyscalculia, autism or oppositional defiance disorder. Schools need to make reasonable adjustments for pupils with ADHD. Number two, ADHD is a mental health issue. It is not. However, there's a high risk of someone with ADHD developing mental health issues at some point in their lives. The ADHD Foundation revealed that over 40% experience anxiety and depression, and there is also a greater incidence of self-harming and eating disorders. Number three, people with ADHD are aggressive. ADHD is a challenging condition that can be managed with the correct support. It's not just about violence or aggression. People with ADHD experience a level of developmental delay within the frontal cortex of their brain. This means that the emotional responses of young people with a diagnosis may be less mature than their same aged peers. Number four, people with ADHD are selective about when to focus and behave. Now this is one of the biggest barriers for people with ADHD, inattention. It does not mean that they can never pay attention. In fact, many with a diagnosis can experience hyperfocus on certain areas of interest. For example, I can talk to you about Star Wars now for the next hour without a problem. And this could explain why there are so many successful people with a diagnosis of ADHD as they can be extra focused and dedicated to their area of interest. It can be frustrating for a parent or teacher when a young person appears to choose to make the same mistakes time and time again. It may seem that a young person with ADHD is not acting in a way that is in their best interest and this may be due to dysregulation in the neurotransmission of dopamine and norad noradrenaline, leading to difficulties with executive function. Although young people with ADHD may appear to be unable to link cause and effect, it's not necessarily true their choice to be defiant. There is also a significant number of people with a diagnosis of ADHD who struggle to sleep and a lifetime of sleep deprivation can perhaps lead to some poor choices being made. Number five, too much sugar causes ADHD. It is not the case. It is important that we all limit our sugar intake 
Additionally, exercise should be part of daily routines. Of course, some subjects in school lend themselves more to movements than others, but it is possible to be creative. It is worth noting that a diagnosis of ADHD is not an excuse for poor behaviour or academic underachievement, but it is important that as teachers we recognise the difficulties that some of our students are facing and do what we can to support them and their families in their best possible way. Now this came from a blog written by Gemma Corby, who is the Senko at Horbert High School in Norfolk. And she writes articles for the Times Educational Supplements. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes. And there's further reading on ADHD uh, and how it impacts on education. So when I was thinking about what kind of film or what kind of book I wanted to talk about in relation to this week's topic, uh, it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, I couldn't really quite think of anything. Uh, And then something kind of came to my mind, uh, which I thought would be suitable. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dorino singing. Oh, 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 I love to swim in Dorino. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. The wonderful film, Finding Nemo. And Finding Nemo is all about a wonderful little fish, little clownfish called Nemo, who went out with his dad, another clownfish, Marlin, who's very overprotective and and clearly struggles with a lot of anxiety. Uh, He's he's always really quite protective of his son. Um, And his son gets really frustrated with this kind of behaviour and eventually um, goes and disobeys his father. And as a result of that, he gets captured and taken away. And Marlin is absolutely beside himself. And he's trying to find his son, trying to capture his son and get him back and bring him back home. Whilst doing this, he comes across Dory. Uh, Dory is this blue fish who, as it turns out, has short-term memory retention. Um, classic ADHD and uh, has a very short-term memory and is unable to keep any kind of a conversation in her head um, once she's had a conversation with someone she then turns around comes back and starts the conversation again and, and this is something that's quite often related to people with ADHD um, personally and that my my short-term memory can be really quite poor my attention span is so limited and that I can be um, have so many different things going on inside my head and this becomes quite frustrating at home with my wife when she tries to tell me something uh, and I have to work really hard as a child um, I just ran with my head wherever my head went I went uh, which took me into uh, various um, different places and you know at times became quite scary you know and hence the element of risk-taking behavior today I have to put processes in place in order to ensure that my um, memory which I can't rely on uh, I, I now have to rely on, on systems and processes. So uh, within work, I have to keep my diaries up to date. Uh, I have to make sure that I make my appointments 
at the time. Uh, if I make them and I don't write them down, then I'll forget about them. Um, I've now recently started budgeting and that, so I can keep track of my, my finances, because my finances would always be all complicated and complex and confused, and, and they would always fall apart. Since I, I budget planned and have a spreadsheet, which I now try and adhere to, and I input data to kind of keep track of everything. That's that's helped me keep a better control over over my finances, which has given me a better control of my life. Um, the film is fabulous. The film is funny and touching um, and hilarious, and 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 a lot like how I experience my ADHD. Although Dory's memories are, are quite complicated and they're quite convoluted and they're mixed up and they're confused and forgotten there is moments of absolute clear clarity uh, and at the end of the film spoiler alert um, when they've been trying to remember where where Nemo is uh, she suddenly has a flash of clarity and makes all the connections uh, and is able to then remember exactly where to go and the adventure continues and you know again spoiler alert has a happy ending so to see a great film a wonderful touching funny film uh, that has some real clear um, adhd characteristics in 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 the dory character uh, go out and see the fabulous pixar film finding dory Sarah Young once said, Living with ADHD is like being locked in a room with a hundred televisions and a hundred radios all playing. None of them have power buttons, so you can turn them off and the door is locked from the outside. I wrote a blog last year on ADHD called Attention Deficit Hyperdrive in the Millennium Falcon's Not Working Disorder. You can read it on my website www.thirstcounselling.co.uk along with other blogs that I've written. However, I thought I'd read it out. When I received a diagnosis of ADHD last year, it wasn't a light bulb moment or a wake-up call. I was officially diagnosed ADD. Apparently, I didn't score for hyperactivity. It was probably more evidence as a child. People close to me would argue it's just as prevalent today. However, it did clarify a few things. As a child, I had boundless energy. Used to get up in the morning and run downstairs and never really stopped. Played with a racing head that was constantly taking on board information and trying to process lots of different things. It would worry me sometimes, thinking my brain wouldn't be able to stop doing this, that it would just pop and break. Risk-taking behaviours is another trait of ADHD. I loved climbing trees and roofs. I loved having exciting adventures like brook jumping or playing in factories. It's called commercial burglary these days. I struggled to see the consequences of things I did. The thoughts of what if I hurt myself or got into trouble were never really there. My childhood feels like a fast-past assault course that never really slowed down. In school I struggled. Learning and retaining information has never come easy to me. 
that recrawl that we had to sit still, put our hands up if we wanted to speak and pay attention to the teacher. I failed to do this on every occasion and therefore retreated within my own world of fiction, fantasy, a world of elves and Jedis and masked vigilantes. And at 48, this is somewhere I still spend a lot of my thoughts. We learned our timetables parrot fashion by standing up and saying them out loud. I remember moving seats in the classroom, so I never was in my seat when the teacher got to that desk. I still don't know my timetables and have a real panic when it comes to math-related issues. My saving grace was English, as I could disappear into the pages of a book and hide or bury myself in an adventure of my own making, always easier than figuring out who I was in the real world. Beyond school, a cruel and scary place for this person was an even stranger, wider world. Full of ego and low self-worth, I tried to be part of the world, yet found solace in drink and drugs, as risk-taking behaviour overshadowed warnings of addiction and desperation. So ADHD has been part of me and left me struggling to fit in a world that is full of distraction and disconnects. And how do I sit across from another person and remain focused on their needs, and not play host to my intrusive outward thoughts. Counselling training for me was also a saving grace. It came at a time in my life when I had a strong need to make restitution to the world. And it was taught in a multi-layered way that involved me in the learning because of the amount of self-reflection and skills practice and the freedom of being told to be true to yourself allowed me to develop my approach of being engrossed in another person's world and yet having the racing thoughts that allowed me to make quicker connections within their story. I find that when I'm sitting with a client, I do have to work harder to be present, to nurture that sense of immediacy. However, I see my diagnosis as a gift. It allows me to take on board a lot of information and begin to process it, looking for threads that I can connect to. I'm able to make leaps of cognition and see patterns quite quickly. I can use this to help the client see an immediate link. Or I might hold it back, waiting for another session where I feel its relevance will have more impact. My wife has Asperger's syndrome. She's often talked about this being her superpower. It gives her special abilities, allows her to see the world in a unique way. It is a part and parcel of who she is. My superpower, I suppose, is speed. Like the Flash, my mind moves at a speed and over the years I've become accustomed to trawling through a lot of information, sifting through and seeking loose threads and finding the connections. It's like a therapeutic fibre optic superhighway. I often struggled in the past and various thoughts that I called the committee, various character traits that would hold separate conversations at the same time as my thoughts would dash off into different adventures of their own. Now with age and learning, they work like backstage hands at the theatre whilst the main actor is treading the boards. There is more unity. And it's this unity that makes my ADHD work for me. And don't get me wrong. The most prevalent thoughts, the actor, the singer and the comedian are still around in my head. They have their parts to play and now they play them well. And it's more like we're all reading the same script. So today I embrace my ADHD. It's very much a part of who I am. I'm no longer a slave to it. I do not feel that I am less of a person. I actually believe that it helps me to be more me. I have this gift that I am able to use in my training and in my counselling. I am able to see things in a different and much faster way. It still leaves me with feelings of anxiety and a level of hyperactivity that has become more of a norm today. 
and I still have my difficult days where I feel overwhelmed and overstimulated by people and social situations. And it's at these times where I can find myself isolated, when I get people doubt. However, that is a part of me also. It's all tied into the eclectic ball that is me. It is my curse. It is my gift. Who am I? Sincerely yours, a thirst counsellor. So, for that blog and other blogs, you can find them, like I said, on my website, www.thirstcounselling.co.uk. Actor and comedian Howie Mandel said, I was diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, an obsessive compulsive disorder as an adult, but I don't remember a time when I didn't have them. Back in the 1960s when I was growing up, my symptoms didn't have a name, and you didn't go to a doctor to find out. So I guess the reason I chose to speak about ADHD is again because it's something that's quite personal to me. Over the years, I've worked with a number of young people with ADHD. Young people who've received the diagnosis, who for a number of years have been getting into trouble in schools uh, because of their behaviour, because of their lack of attention, because of their lack of ability to process the learning in a way that's um, convenient. And I've come across a couple of adults with ADHD too. And what's been interesting about that is there's been quite a, uh, a crossover between um, criminality, uh, between uh, addiction um, and risk-taking behaviour. And for me that's certainly a pattern that's been uh, recognised. However, one of the things that I know about ADHD for me is that it doesn't limit what I'm able to do. It is just another facet of me. It is something that I have learned and been able to um, utilize to my benefit. I hope people have enjoyed this episode. Uh, please feel free to leave a comment um, or visit the website. Um, and I'm sure I'll see you next week uh, with another episode of First Counselor Podcasts. So, as someone with ADHD, I've decided to add an additional thing because I had a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a lightning moment in that wind. For one of the first times in ages, I listened back to the podcast as I have recorded it, and I realised this is one of the things about inattentiveness and, and being uh, having like an enthusiasm and that you know in a uh, in a magpie like mind. Uh, as I was listening through and I was listening to the segments about Finding Nemo, this amazing film, I encouraged you at the end to go and watch Finding Dory, and of course I meant Finding Nemo. But that's the thing, you see, that's the thing about my ADHD. Uh, I move around very, very quickly and I, I can flip between things and I get very, very caught up. 
uh, and there's a lack of attentiveness which is why I have to focus so much more in the counselling room. Um, but then again, I'm also not a, a podcaster. I'm someone who does a podcast. I'm someone who writes blogs, but I'm not a proper blogger. I'm not a proper writer. Um, what I am is a counsellor. I'm a counsellor who's passionate about the work that they do. And I hope that comes across in my writing and, uh, and in my podcasts. However, I'm certainly not a technician or a specialist by any stretch of the imagination. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, and I look forward to making further episodes. And here we are at the outro. I'd like to thank everyone who's listened. Um, it's nice to see that there's people downloading it and listening to the to the podcast. Uh, uh, gives me a reason to kind of keep going. Uh, if you if you like what I'm saying or you have any ideas or any topics, you can in- email me at info at firstcounseling.co.uk or alternatively, you can tweet me at t underscore counselling at t underscore counselling I'll be back uh, in another episode talking about some other aspects of mental health and wellbeing Uh, please feel free to review this on your podcast app and uh, give it a couple of stars Uh, and if you want to share it with other people and if you think other people might be interested please feel free to do that Um, thanks very much for listening Sincerely yours, a first counsellor.